Hello and welcome to Rothko Presents CanWatch 2021. I'm Alan Kelly, Chief Creative Officer of Rothko Accenture Interactive. Well, the can lines are over for another year. And while we didn't get to celebrate with a glass of rosé on the croissette, we are definitely celebrating at home. I'm drunk right now. It was another brilliant year of outstanding creativity and ambition. Today, we're going to be looking at the trends we've noticed in Cannes this year and what learnings advertisers, marketeers and clients can take from this year's festival. I'm joined once more by senior creative Anthony Artuso. Hello, Al. Beard and hair, top knot looking fantastic Anthony. Thank you very much. Data strategy lead Jen Langen. Well, hello. Hello. And connections strategy lead and also new haircut Joe Ronan. Hello. Um, you didn't say anything about my hair though, Al. Oh. No, I didn't. Thanks. <laughs> so before we dig into the learnings from Cannes this year, congratulations to everyone yeah. who worked Woo. on Salis and CB Yes. Yeah. We picked up a drum roll, Salis Grand Prix Creative Data, can't say that enough, mm. a gold line in excellence in radio and audio, use of music, bronze line innovation in radio and audio, uh, audio-led creativity and sleeping flags the gift that keeps on giving a silver line in creative effectiveness Great so amazing for everybody amazing 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 so for ev- anyone who's unfamiliar with can right last year's festival was cancelled due to obviously the pandemic so this year's digital festival honored work from 2020 and 2021 so super competitive right and i from my point of view i don't think they gave out two years worth of awards. It seemed to be just one year's mm. for, for, for both uh, 2020 and 2021. Anyway, super competitive. So anyway, this has given us a real snapshot on how brands have had to evolve and adapt over the last year um, during these unprecedented times when consumers' expectations have shifted faster and more completely than any time in history. What do you think, guys? Yeah, I mean... There, obviously, look, there's been so much at play over the past couple of years. It was, I think, Melinda Gates who said that COVID has magnified every existing inequality, right? And then at the same time, there was really fundamental human challenges that we faced across the, over the past um, year and a half. Black Lives Matter, um, Stop Asian Hate, like uh, questions around ethical vaccine distribution to third world countries. Um, but also, like I think fun- fundamentally, people changed over the past year as well. Um, Accenture put out a report last week in line with um, the, the, the launch of CAN, um, looking at consumer mindset across 22 different countries. And it, like over 40% of people said that the pandemic made them realize that they want to focus more on others than themselves, which is you know something good that's come out of it, I guess. Um, and we saw a lot of work. Um, at Cannes this year, a lot of really successful work that that that, that kind of honed in on that, right? And like as an interesting part of that essential report as well was consumers expecting brands to take responsibility and motivating them to live by their values. So consumers are putting the onus on brands to make it easy for them to uh, feel good about themselves, right, and to 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 live uh, an ethical life, right, and to 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 to, to be true to their own values. Um, we mentioned a couple of examples of campaigns that did this. Boards for Change being one of them, another one being the Motherland uh, Monument. Um, another example I kind of wanted to draw attention to today was um, True Name, right? Um, and True Name is a, a campaign from MasterCard, and it won the Grand Prix this year for market disruption. Um, 
Is anybody here familiar with the term dead name? No. 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 Okay. So a dead name is so a, a dead name is essentially after somebody has transitioned, a dead name is the name that they no longer want to live with, right? Um, so it's not represented a representative of um their true identity, right? And it's not a reflective of their chosen name. Um it's problematic when it comes to identification um and when it comes to the likes of credit cards, right? Because um for 32% of uh, trans people in the US who've actually shown um an ID card that didn't match their gender pre- or their gender presentation, they've been verbally harassed, uh, denied service, asked to leave, even assaulted, right? So a big problem for them. And it's 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 something that no bank was actually going after. There's nothing that they were doing to actually show support in that space. Mm. So MasterCard tried to do something to solve the issue, right? So they came up with a, a concept called True Name, right? Allowing people to actually have their cards reflect their chosen name. They approached a number of banks in the US, but nobody was biting. Everybody thought the issue was too complex and they didn't want to get involved. Uh, so instead, what they did was they ran a huge campaign at New York Pride last year. So it was this like 360 campaign. They had uh, panels, uh, including trans, non-binary advocates. And they essentially created a campaign where people were speaking about the impact that something as simple as being able to like show their true name on, on, a, on, a, on a car could have to people's everyday lives. And through running that campaign, they were able to get a number of different banks on board. So it was kind of an interesting one where they had to, I guess create this campaign like they were initially unsuccessful in getting banks on their side so instead they had to create a campaign and use consumers and the power of the consumer to push banks in the right direction yeah it's won so many awards and it it? was risky i guess for them to do that because they Mm. could have gone out with that campaign and and then none of the banks but you know bit is that the right word bit bitted um you know and it's it's fantastic that it it did and it had that kind of um created that momentum and that showed the demand. And I think, you know, maybe that that was brave to do. Yeah, I don't know what the, I don't know what I loved as well that, that didn't get enough talkability, even that one Grand Prix in health was, I think it was called if Bico Soup, am I saying that right? For uh, Steal Our Staff. I mm. thought that was just the smartest campaign I've seen in a long, long time. For anybody who doesn't know it, Bico Soup hire people with disabilities and then they uh, kind of put it out there to other brands to steal their staff. So they put the CV of their staff on their uh, product. Uh, so when it goes out uh, into the world, you get to read all the skills that a particular candidate might have. And this brand is telling you, go on, steal them. Uh, so there's more diversity in, in, in it. well everywhere, I suppose. I thought that was the smartest campaign. Mm-hmm. That campaign was rewarded day one of can line so it really set the bar really high for everybody who is following but anyway back to purpose anthony you wanted to jump in yeah so um uh joe was talking about these reimagined consumers from the uh, essential report and again what, what i found really interesting about it was that you know they expect uh they expect brands to have values not just have the values but take responsibility and be more relevant in the world rather than just sort of, you know, communicate in this contextless vacuum. You know, it, 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 the brand lives in a world out there. But what was really funny that during the pandemic, at the same time, 
people were in like escape the context mode when they were watching TV. So like we all watched Tiger King and Flora's Lava, uh, The Last Dance. And these were like sort of, these were like these joyous, fun, ridiculous, entertaining escapism. And so like, I, I find it funny that there's this sort of spectrum of like, we, we want more responsibility from brands yet we want to escape completely. So one thing I sort of was keeping an eye on in Khan this year uh, and I noticed was that there's, there's these campaigns that kind of mashed up, you know, the purposeful s- responsible with the fun and the joyous rather than like, you know, kind of like an mm. antidote to this, to the sad yeah. piano, you know, purpose work <laughs> as I heard it put is somewhere. I can't remember, but it's a great way to put it. So like, that's why, and, and say lists to me is a really great example of this because, you know, firstly in the idea itself, there's clear purpose, uh, there's a clear problem being tackled and it's solving it with pure joy, you know, injecting music into the driest, boringest thing possible for kids, which is speech therapy. And I went to, I went to speech therapy as a kid, so and all I can remember is how much I hated it and how boring it was. Um, and so, but but not just that with Salis, like you, you can see how easy it would have been for the gang to sort of lean into the hardships of speech disorders and the emotional toll it takes on families and all do you know, these. Do you know what else kind of fits into that is mm. sick beats? Yeah. Because um, I, I was I was that sickly child. I had asthma when I was a kid. So I had that exact problem. And then, you know, to take an issue like that mm. and, and, and make it into something just really joyous and fun and, and cool, cool yeah. was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and like, but this is the other thing, and I, and I think w- w- was how these things were not just the idea, but the execution of them. And like, again, not to not to bang on about our own work, but 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 with Sailists, uh, like they didn't they they the case studies in the films went for a completely colourful escapism. You know what I mean with the animations, the the humour. And like, you know, you can see a lot of the fun that was had in not just the idea, but the actual executing and putting out of the idea. So th- that that felt really cool. And another like, you know, it's funny, music has, has, has done a lot this year. There's been a lot of great music ones. So the other one I wanted to sort of bring up was, uh, I don't know if you heard about mm. Parkscapes. Did anyone hear about yeah, that yeah, one? Yeah. I, I love, love this one. This is, this is real as a, as a museo myself. I thought this was really smart. And so it, it just in a quick nutshelly explanation, the Ontario government, they made these huge budgetary cuts to music programs in the state. And like one particular inner city school was sort of trying to find ways to fund themselves. And they did this by bringing on a music producer, recording an album with the kids. And the idea you'd think would be to sell the album to the public, but instead they they put it out and targeted artists and musicians and sort of, you know, hit makers, right? So the, the idea would be that instead of selling the album to, to raise funds, uh, th- these musicians might sample their music. And, and they got incredibly lucky, didn't they? Yeah, well, they got incredible. Yeah, so th- th- if they did get sampled, they'd get royalties. And then, of course, Taylor Swift catches wind and uh, puts it, I can't remember what the name of the song was, but she puts it on one of her songs 
And of course, it's Taylor Swift. Do, uh, do we believe that one. happened organically, or don't, I don't care? <laughs> I'm impressed <laughs> <laughs> because I saw that, and the way that it was described was like she just so happened to use it, and obviously she's one of the. So, you know, so I, but you know, I I actually do believe uh, it because maybe I'm naive, right? But I actually do believe it because can you imagine how difficult it would actually be to mm. act? to go and get her I, I kind of believe yeah. it I don't see much reason why it, it, it'd be it'd be why she'd reject that because like if she's getting someone saying hey look this school in Canada whatever it is if you just use this sample of her of their steel drums mm. uh, in one of your songs they'll make a lot of money and like I could see Taylor Swift being like or whoever it might be being like yeah that's no harm I, at all I, I love know? like I actually love the idea of the kind of the happy like kind of the positive like change rather than the sad piano um yeah and it's kind of mm. it's, it's funny that that's happening against the band tra- backdrop of the pandemic as well because you know all the research that we were doing last year was showing like you know yes people are aware that they need to give back and they need to contribute to the community and so but they also just want to laugh because everything is so hard and so challenging at the moment and that's why we were all obsessed with tiger king at mm. the time you know like and, and and things like that yeah jen effectiveness oh. this category <laughs> this category uh, was updated this year to more accurately reflect the I suppose the variety of measurable results and the breadth of work driving business impact and success. It's a real indication of not just the importance of measuring effectiveness, but also how creative creativity drives it even. Um, and that's here yeah, to stay, right? Absolutely. And I think for me, what's been standing out and what I guess what fascinates me really is that is the role of that kind of human centeredness. And I guess as well, the culture that humans create and what role that plays in creating really effective and engaging campaigns. And I know that shouldn't necessarily be a surprise to us, but, you know, but like, um, I, you know, you can see how it really allows creativity to really sing and to just do its job really well. Um, you know, we can see some like some of the top awarded campaigns for effectiveness. You've got um, the Nike Crazy Dreams. Um, you've got the time that we've left, which was a brilliant campaign by Perno Ricard. Oh, yeah, amazing. And dare I say it, our, our very own sleeping flags, you know, of how tapping into mm. the humanity of what's going on around us can just be so very, very effective. And of course, that humanity then is that that foundation for some really wonderful storytelling. And I think even we saw that kind of human-centeredness uh, moving even into that, that B2B arena. And I think we can see how that works so effectively there. Um, the Connected Island by Boys and Girls for, here in Dublin did such a wonderful job of that, of using that kind of um, human-centeredness you know, which, you know, to counteract that more really traditional functional approach to B2B. And I just think it really worked really brilliantly there. So I guess what struck me kind of, you know, when you're reading all these incredibly successful case studies, um, not just in the effectiveness category, but everywhere, um, are there really the wonderful, unique methods of gathering data and for insights, uh, you know, for insights and for measurement? Um, that could be, you know, qualitative, quantitative, and just how well that can really drive wonderfully creative work um we've seen womb stories for example and you know just one titanium um and i think that used approaches like you know emotional listening it used metaphorical linguistics and it just to really deeply understand people's complicated relationship with their body and it just kind of helped them to tap into insights that they just never would have found otherwise and similarly again with Perno Ricard's um the time we have left I think you know there they really tapped into the psychological aspects of people too and you know they brought in experts in the area to understand 
humans' relationship with time. And I think that, you know, they landed on just such a brilliant insight, you know, that, that human beings are programmed to avoid thinking about the time they have left. Um, and so they were able to build that campaign off that, like, just really devastating realisation that, you know, the time we have left with our mm. loved ones is just so much less than we think. Um, and, you know, mm. so there's, there's stuff like that. But then even on the other side of the scale, you've got the likes of Laugh Tracker, you know, and that won a gold line in creative data. Yeah. And, you know, they tried that. there to fill an insight gap for families um, just to understand whether theme parks mm. worked or not. Um, and so before you kind of like fork out a load of money and schlep all the way there, you know, and I think they did that again by thinking outside the box. They found a way to measure children's laughter at theme parks. And again, that's just such a wonderfully human-centric metric, you know? And I think ultimately that's what we need to be doing. We need to be thinking really creatively about how we understand audiences. And these are just really beautiful examples of brands that are just refusing to do that bog-standard, usual standard kind of data capture research and just being really novel in Mm. how they do that. And I think that's what we need to be doing more of. I just love the idea of the data capture being laughter. Mm. Mm. Because then the measurement doesn't become like an add-on at the end, right? Mm. It becomes part of the story. Um, and a, like a really kind of integral part of the campaign and a part of the idea as well, rather than, oh, no, we have to think about measurement. Well, it does two things. It does, you know, it, it provides insight, It you know, and, and there's so many uses for that. But then also as, as well, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic measurement metric. Yeah, I think La- Laugh Tracker was just so annoying <laughs> because it's so simple. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and genius, you know, thinking of a new form of, of data mm. um, in such a lovely idea is just, uh, oh, you, you just, you'd be so jealous uh, of the people behind I that. I love the time we have left as well, like how confronting it was mm. to figure out how much time you had left. And it applies across oh. lots of things. Like I remember reading before that, like, in your lifetime, you're probably on average only going to read like 80 something books. Which, mm. you know, sounds like nothing. And then you think about the books you have read and it's like, I read Twilight. <laughs> you know, that's one of my 80s. <laughs> Somebody said to me, you do know, like I've, I've got a, you know, a six-year-old um, and a three-year-old. And they said, well, you've only got like 10 um, summers left with them where they're going to want to actually hang out with you. Oh, do you know? God. And that's like, oh God, Jesus. what? Or even If you even get 10, you'd be lucky. Anyway, yes. All right. Let's, Don't, this is, Sorry. God, that's so, yeah. Speaking of the time we have left. Speaking of which. Look, it's, I, one of the other things I really liked um, was the subversion of traditional channels in whether they were, whether that was using gaming or sports as a medium, hacking digital platforms or, you know, or generating new data in the, in the form of Laugh Tracker or ge- generating new media. And mm. um, did you, anything stand out for you, Joe? Yeah, I mean, we saw lots of that um this year and i mean like it, i think it's gonna like it's probably like, good to call out what the jury are actually looking for in a media line right and um, so what they say is like they're looking for quality of creative implementation of ideas through the use of media right so they want like basic, like essentially game-changing channel strategy that delivers measurable results um, and we, and there was like some great examples like i mean you mentioned hacking platforms there there's some cool examples. I mean, like one really simple one. There's so much, there's so much, so many gems in the the bronze and the shortlists. I can like, I think that's actually like kind of my favorite section. Like if you go through, like go through them all, um, 
and one was like uh, KFC chat code, and this was uh, something KFC, KFC did in in India, and all it was was a shortcut that allowed gamers to get KFC delivered to their house. So they just typed in control KFC. And then it like recognized that they were like an existing customer and it picked their favorite meal and dropped it directly to their house. I, I hate how simple and good that is because like, you know how much gamers love their keyboard shortcuts. It's also, I think it's just really funny or something. It's like, you know, they need to save like the five minutes it takes. Like, yeah. and it's like, how often are they ordering right? Very KFC. insightful. <laughs> um, but like, and KFC even said themselves, like, you know, that all they had to do was change one line of code on their website to make this happen. Love it. And it was like, I think they won a bronze uh, line first. Like, um, But what I love about that as well, it's like, it's not that far off. Was it Tide who had the button? Mm. Uh, yeah. That, or, 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 is a Pizza Hut who you you could order with just an emoji? Like these are kind of cousins' ideas. Do you know what I mean? And so it just shows you can still, even in these tiny sort of spaces, you can still be really creative and have a new way of doing it. it you exactly, know? and it's also they're just really good demonstrations of like the, that successful campaigns. They don't need a lot of media spend, right? Mm. Um, you know, there's little like another a really cool example was the car milk unscalpable campaign from Australia. Um, so, like, caramel milks, like, for anybody who's not familiar with this, like, kind of limited edition um, dairy milk that came out, um, that the Aussies went wild for some reason. Um, Anthony, I don't know if you have any insight into that, but... Uh, I, I, like, I don't know what that is. I have to look it up. Maybe I've been here too long. Yeah, but they, <laughs> so they, they sold out of them everywhere. And then people started putting them up on eBay at, like, extortionate prices. So they were scalping these caramels on eBay for, like, 10 times the price that they were. But like Cadbury's didn't like that, so then they started selling them on uh, for a limited period on eBay. But then what happened was everybody took the limited period caramels and then put them back up on eBay, um, <laughs> and th- they kind of forced like a dairy milk to make kind of make a decision that they would permanently sell caramels on eBay. <laughs> so it's like become this new like distribution channel for them, which is quite funny. But there's also com- exa- interesting examples in the media lines of of innovating tried and tested channels so just existing channels so one of them was the the media that eats pollution campaign so this was done to launch the volkswagen id3 so it's a it's a it's a net carbon neutral car so they wanted to have a net carbon neutral campaign uh so essentially what they did was they created out of home using this um this product this type of paint and it's called air light and what it does is it sucks in carbon from the air um and they said with running their out of home using Airlight, it was the equivalent of taking like 18 vehicles off the road. Very cool. Um, so it's kind of a nice one of, you know, hammering home the message of the, like of the one of the key product attributes. It's walking the walk. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there was examples as well of, of creating new media. And that was um, like Boards of Change, which we mentioned earlier in the week. It was mm-hmm. kind of a, a great example of taking something and creating a new media channel. Yeah, no, that was really cool. Uh, I think, you know, one of the things I think we can all relate to um, over the last year and a half is online shopping. I have got to such a, like, I'm in a place of, it's almost like parcel roulette. I don't know what the hell I've ordered. I've totally forgotten. I've ordered so much crap you know, in the middle of the night. So it's always a nice surprise for, for, for me when I when I open a parcel um, yeah. when it eventually arrives because I have no recollection of what the I, hell I, I got I nine tea towels when it comes to, today, nine. Yeah. So oh, no, every, nice. 
Yeah, well, lovely I, do you know I may have I may have ordered them as well but on e-commerce like w- w- Anthony anything standing out on e-commerce it's probably the second year or third year of the e-commerce lines yeah like this is a category that like I actually always find quite interesting um, and it's the only category I think is allowed to be really COVID heavy th- this year because like you know, simply because of the fact of lockdowns and quarantines forced companies to, to you know, you lost footfall uh, and it forced companies to step up their game to solve for literally having no one in their stores. So, you know, there's a couple I wanted to talk about, like, uh, like, and it's not about the big brands because the big brands, like, they'll make a few updates on their online shopping. They're not usually doing the biggest thing, but it's these kind of, like, um, it, it, what's more impressive is these traditional real t- retailers and cash businesses and ma and pa shops and street vendors. So uh, Joe earlier mentioned raising profiles, which is a, a you know, a, I think it won the Grand Prix in e-commerce. And like, and just to recap, it's you know they, they basically took the big issue sales model, and which is literally selling streets on the magazine to passers-by, and they just recreated that on LinkedIn because, you know, these are business people that they're usually selling to in, in the high streets. Um, another one that uh, uh, I think is worth mentioning, and it won the other Grand Prix in e-commerce, um, is Tienda Circa. Tienda Circa. So in Colombia, these small family-owned convenience stores, they actually represent like over half of the mass consumer market. So obviously it's like super important, these these bar and par shops. Um, and it's been this way for literally over 100 years. And 2020, the year of the very obvious pandemic, it was the first year where that status quo was completely upended uh, and 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 these mar and pa shops like you know they were closing down uh, in, in huge numbers so what they did they digitized every single store uh, and they set them up to sell through whatsapp and people could still sell to locals because that's what it's all about and like basically every shop ended up on whatsapp and 70% of these corner stores ended up actually making more money mm-hmm. um and it's it amazing. was uh, so successful and, and it's so particular to South America. It is particularly Colombia, but nine other countries in South America, South and Central America ended up re- replicating this business model as well. So like, you, you know, it, it's how these old school shops in rural areas, they had no need to go digital and they found this collective solution and, they, you know, they didn't need to change for 100 years, but it was completely flipped in one in one year and that, because of the pandemic. And that's something I love, like both of those examples, like raising profiles with the big issue and um, Notiendo Circo, Circa, <laughs> a slightly better pronunciation than yours, Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they're, they're really good examples of, like, of, of how COVID was the perfect breeding ground for innovation. Like it forced people to, to to innovate, right? Because like their existing business models just disappeared overnight. And like the impact of that, of the second example there in South America, like the scale of the impact there is is huge. Like all of those businesses now have a really sustainable model. Yeah, and I think it just has to keep adjusting itself. So I think like it's always a big space to keep watching going forward, like customer experiences, UX e-commerce, all that kind of thing. Okay, let's, ha- let's have a look at one more category before we wrap it up. Um, let's have a look at technology. I suppose every year, you know, this category gets just more and more exciting. What 
stood out for you this year, Jen? Talking of innovation, I think this is obviously there's been there's been so many you know weird and wonderful innovations this year, as I guess with any other. Um, but they range from some brilliantly simple ideas to some really really kind of more complex ideas. And of course, we've seen so many um, campaigns that are solving just a really wide range of problems. You've got you know fixing this broken planet of ours to kind of making more products universal and then just like just making experiences more fun. Um, and there's one one example, um, I say a simple example, I wouldn't say, I know it wasn't simple, but maybe the kind of essentially the science is, but I lo- really loved Waterlight um, and it was for Adine Energy in, in Bogota. And it's just such a wonderfully useful, important invention for remote coastal co- uh, communities. And essentially it's just a portable lamp that's powered by seawater. Um, and a half a litre of seawater can power 45 days of light. Um, and I think the simplicity of that is just brilliant. But then I guess when you move towards the more complex stuff, um, we just I think we saw some really wonderful applications of um, machine learning pop up a lot this year. Um, and, you know, we're so used to hearing in the media these kind of like scary applications of facial recognition and how machine learning is going to take over the world and our jobs, you know, and I, I don't, it's not. Um, and we absolutely need to harness the, this technology. We need to apply the human to it again um, and, and just kind of and use it. And I think there's been just some lovely examples of that this year. And just to kind of mention a couple of them, really, there's um, we saw Project Understood, which um, was up for a titanium. And that was where... Um, Google Voice was working to ensure voice recognition algorithms were working for people with Down syndrome. Now, one might argue that um, maybe their voice recognition offering should have been universal from the get-go, but um, maybe we'll just park that one for now. Um, We've seen the likes of fingerspelling uh, for the American Society of Deaf Children, um, and that won a gold in digital design. And that kind of, that uses a browser-based app, a webcam, and machine learning to teach sign language. And it does it by just analyzing in real time the shapes you're making with your hands. Um, And then, you know, the likes of Live Caption, which, um, which Google did, and essentially they're enabling live captioning of any live stream again in real time and i think there's just these really great things um and there's one in particular i love and it's uh it's pago by panasonic and this is absolutely wonderful it's this basically this little toy like object um that a child can go out into the garden and just point at anything in the world around them and then the on device machine learning um again paired by google um, well, essentially, it'll just immediately identify what the child's looking at and it'll play back information, descriptions and names of things. You know, it's brilliant. And I think things like this can bring yeah. the child off the iPad, bring them into nature, but still use tech to kind of heighten that experience for them. And as a parent, I think it's mm. absolutely fantastic, you know. And I think for me, all these kinds of applications, they're yes, they're wonderful in and of themselves. They're really doing important things, but... Like for what strikes me is what the brands could be doing with these things. Um, And I think the opportunities are endless. Like if you're like using um, the likes of vision learning or live captioning, how could we be bringing kind of brands, brand experiences to life? You know, if your customers could basically just point at anything and it plays back content to you, how Mm -hmm. could we be really elevating um, that brand experience um, in real time? So that's kind of for me is is what's so exciting. Yes, they're solving really important problems, but actually... As marketeers, we hopefully will then get to play around with this and actually use it for um, brand experience. Yeah, no, it was brilliant, brilliant category, and that Pago thing is um, was just phenomenal. Again, it's always the 
the really, really simple ideas that uh, that just have the biggest impact. So, yeah, no, I love them. And, guys, that's no. all we have time for. That's it for Can Watch 2021. Thanks for all your insight and your enthusiasm. Super Thank thanks you. to Anthony with your fantastic top knot and beard. Uh, Joe, you look sensational with your new haircut. And thanks, Jan. <laughs> we hope the discussions have fired uh, your creativity and given you food for thought. Big congratulations to everybody who worked on Salis and Sleeping Flags. Uh, I hope you're all having a much-deserved glass of rosé. Hopefully chat to you all next year from Cannes. That's it. Thanks, everybody. Bye. And thanks for listening. Bye-bye.